Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Kyle Stout, the founder of Elevate and Scale, a leading digital marketing agency. Now, this week, we're talking about email marketing, specifically for e-commerce stores. Thanks for downloading. Setting up a proper email marketing strategy for your e-commerce stories literally means more sales. It's as simple as that. You get more sales. It works. Uh, Email really does deliver. But we need to get a few things right. So in this episode, I'm talking to Kyle Stout, the founder of Elevate and Scale, which is a leading digital marketing agency who specialise in e-commerce email marketing. So we're going to talk a lot about segmentation, a lot about automation, and there's quite a few tips on copywriting as well. So make sure you listen up. You can find Kyle on the Elevate and Scale website on Instagram and LinkedIn. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media or subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Kyle was, how do we kind of avoid becoming a pain in the ass when we're email marketing at e-commerce store? I would say it really comes down to messaging and frequency. Yeah. So the two things that are going to annoy people the most are one, emailing them too frequently, and then two, being too salesy with the messaging in the emails. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't email your list multiple times per week and that you shouldn't try to sell your products with your emails. It just means that you want to be thoughtful about how you do it. You you just mentioned multiple times a week, right? Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of people who would be scared to death of that, right? That they they would be thinking once a a month, once every two weeks. Is it okay to email folks more than once a week? Yeah, definitely. So it really depends on who you're emailing. So you can get away with emailing your most engaged people more frequently uh, because there are certain segments of your audience that actually want to hear from you more often. But you should make a point to give certain people a break. So for example, uh, whenever someone makes a purchase, I oftentimes like to exclude them from emails for a week or two and, and say people say there's people who have started to engage less, I like to back off the frequency for those people because they're giving us a signal that, hey, they're not opening or clicking as much as they used to. So they don't want to receive as many emails. So we want to give them more of a break every now and then. And we want to have the chance to be able to win them back later. So we don't want to annoy them so much now that they go away forever. Yeah, sure. Um, with I suppose it depends on what you're selling as well, doesn't it? And it depends who you are, because I get probably, I don't know, four or five emails a day from Amazon trying to sell me something. But it is quite well targeted. So it's not quite bordering on becoming a pain in the backside, right? Do they do Uh, it well? Yeah, I mean, well, okay. And Mm. so I think that people actually shouldn't look at the massive brands like Amazon and and Old Navy. Uh, that's one that comes up a lot because they, they hammer their list. Um, I think that most small business owners shouldn't be comparing too much to them because there's a different model. For one, Amazon is just ridiculously huge. They've yeah. optimized 
every little thing to squeeze out the absolute most amount of profit that they can. Yeah. It's the biggest superstore in the world. Uh, you know, we as people, we, we like to buy stuff, right? So like, like you said, they, they know your purchase history better than any company in the world. They're just going to be able to send you the right offers better than anyone else can. And I don't think that their emails are really that great necessarily. It's just that they're Amazon. So there's yeah. a huge trust factor there. They have so much purchase history on you to that they're they're sending better. They're, I mean, think about it. It's like if you're one brand and you sell a certain category of products versus Amazon, which sells everything, yeah. it's just easier for them to hit you at a higher frequency uh, and more likely than not, at least it's something that you'd be interested in. Yeah. So if, you've, if you're like a candle shop or something and you've got 50 candles in your shop, uh, and you sell a lot of candles, but it's probably a best idea to stay away from looking at how Amazon do their email marketing strategy, right? Yeah, because there's only so many candles a person yeah. can want or need, right? Yeah. So, yes, there are going to be the people who are super passionate about it. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side to that, the people who are super passionate about it. Now, I would say definitely email those people more. Those Those would be an example of the people that would want to receive more of your emails but also another way to, to view that is that they don't actually need the email they're so passionate about it they're going to be showing up on your site regardless so uh, with only having that one product category one type of product again it's like you'd only have so many ways to start the conversation and so many angles you can take to try to sell a candle yeah yeah true yeah um segments are going to play a huge part in in um e-commerce email marketing aren't they i mean it's it, the way we chop up our list and the way we we direct emails at certain sections of our audience that is really really important right oh absolutely to me segmentation is by far the most valuable and also most overlooked part of e-commerce email marketing specifically because it's easier to, for the most part, compared to a business that is selling to other businesses, it's easier to actually have lots of different or you know more diverse groups of people in your list in the first place because there's so many ways you can you can break them down. Mm -hmm. So you can you know break them down by product interest or by engagement or by uh, customer purchase history. Not not um, I mean for one what types of products they bought and also just how many purchases they've made yeah. and then you can craft the content for those different groups are, are there any easy segment wins you know if we want to if we're, we're slacking a little bit on monthly sales here and we want to we want to boost it up a little bit is there like an easy win we can do oh uh, yeah definitely so if you're an e-commerce business and maybe you haven't really done too much with your your email marketing yet and you're looking to get going uh two categories of segments that you definitely want to create would be one would be based around engagement so yeah. the classic would be like a 30-day engagement group and that just means that someone has opened an email or clicked an email or they visited your site in the last 30 days right. and you can we like to create these for all different time ranges so in everywhere from like 14 days all the way out to you know six months now we're not emailing those six month group hardly at all except for like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that sort of thing. Right. And you can change the rules for how you define engagement. But you want to have that core engagement group as one of your main segments because, again, if they are recently engaged, if they're continuing to open and click or, or go to your site 
within a, a recent time frame, they likely are the ones who want to hear from you the most. Sure. And then another category that you definitely want to have, would, I call them customer lifecycle segments. So for all of our clients, I like to create segments uh, of pe- where I have different groups of people that are, so you have one group of leads who have never purchased, uh, one-time buyers, repeat buyers, and then VIPs. So mm. the people who are the VIPs and the repeat buyers, those are going to be some of your easy win segments because if they've made multiple purchases from you, they're sold on your brand. They're sold on your products. You don't. You've already tackled those hurdles. Now it's just, you know, showing up, uh, making the email interesting, and showing them something that they want. And it's a much easier win than a lead, for example, who's never purchased from you, who likely still needs to be won over a little bit more. Yeah. Is it still w- worth creating segments based on products? Like, if somebody's bought this, they might like this. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because so for a lot of company, a lot of e-commerce businesses, they'll have their hero products that, you know, maybe like that's the thing that uh, gets the most attention on social media. And that tends to be the product that gets people in the door. But then what happens is, uh, let's just say, for example, it's a supplement and you have something that's getting a lot of attention, like a pre-workout, because that's something that's just really in that particular industry. Everyone loves pre-workouts, but then you have all these other supplements that are, they're not so sexy and all that, but they're really, really good for you. And when someone gets more into the hobby, then they start to take more interest in those supplements, but that's not really going to be the thing that wins over new customers in the first place. That's going to be the thing that once they start to dive into this world more, they see more value in it. And they, so maybe you have to kind of nurture them to get them there. Um, But that's how you're going to able to start to move some of those other products that don't do as well at the top of the funnel. Do you think segments are fluid as well? Can we like create segments and get rid of segments and create segments based on things? Do you see them as a fluid thing? Oh, definitely. Because And, and you definitely want to monitor the performance of your segments yeah. over time. So we use Klaviyo primarily for our clients, which is the email platform that really caters to towards uh, e-commerce businesses. Sure. And actually, they just recently up. So up to this point, you can run engagement reports on your segments, meaning that if you run this report, it will show you a 30 day snapshot of their open rate, click rate, I believe unsubscribe rate, and then their average order value over the previous 30 days. So every month we go in, we have certain core segments that we're monitoring every month and we're targeting with our campaigns. And we will run those reports every month and and look at how those things are fluctuating. But now they've recently added this feature where when you send out a campaign or, you know, depending on what software you're using, it might be mm. called a broadcast or, you know, whatever. It's the email that you're sending out. It's not automated. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can see a breakdown by segment. So you can see the open rate, click rate, and the conversion rate, and the unsubscribe rate, all of that, and the revenue generated, all of that listed by segment. So now you start to learn that if you sent out a campaign about a particular product, you can see which segments respond mm. more to that. And so that helps you improve your marketing going forward. But like, like you were saying, they're fluid. So if you're getting back to talking about those engagement segments, ideally you'd like to send to as big of a group as possible that you can get away with without seeing a breakdown yeah. in your engagement metrics because that's going to hurt your deliverability. So you might find that sometimes of the year or at some point in your business, 
you can send to a wider group and then you might find that the engagement falls off and you have to tighten that segment up. So that's why you want to watch them. You want to keep an eye on them from month to month and be willing to make adjustments. And not segment too much because, I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole, can't you? I mean, you really can and end up with like three people on the... Well, so that's that's the thing is to get... Like, that's why I say when you're first starting out, the engagement, just having your like 30-day engaged group, those kind of segments are a great place to start because you have to have a big list to start to get really advanced with segmentation because like you said, if you get to a, you know, if there's only 5, 10, 20 people on the list, unless this is an extremely targeted list and a very, very high ticket offer you're likely just not going to generate enough revenue to justify the time and money that went into creating the email. Yeah, You've mentioned open rates a few times. Um, is, it, is it still worth looking at open rates? Because Apple are messing around with pixels and all sorts of things, aren't they, at the moment? They have, and I will say I, we, don't, we really don't put too much uh, value in open rates as much as we used to. Yeah. Um, and we try not, we don't, I mean, open rates are, are inflated because of iOS. So they, they display yeah. as higher than they truly are. And so we just like, everyone's open rates are crazy high right now as you know, with our clients and we just don't pat ourselves on the back about it. We really are looking at, um, I mean, of course we still watch them, but we're sure. looking at click rates and, and revenue generated per email. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you, you mentioned messaging earlier, which which kind of like moves us on to copy a little bit um, and not sounding like a 1970s car dealership, I suppose, car salesman. Um, how, how do how do we go about the copy? Because a lot of folks might just want to know what what new products you got or what's on sale. They might that that they might not want all the fluff around it. So, yeah, this I think this is an interesting uh, conversation. I think that there's there's more nuance to this than people think because yeah. people tend to say they go, you know, in one camp or the other versus like, when it comes to copywriting, people are, are very kind of stuck in their ways about like it's always been this way. So this is how we do it. Uh, I will say this. And I also will admit I'm biased because my background is in copywriting before I started yeah. my email marketing agency. But I do believe good copy is the foundation of all good marketing and especially email marketing. Sure. But like you said, one of the cool things about e-commerce, especially for us as marketers and the brand owners, I should say, is that the average person likes to shop. So, yeah. you know, we all like to buy stuff online. And so you're, you're working with that. So a lot of the people who are on your list they want to be sold and they don't, they don't want to feel like you're being salesy. They don't want to feel like you're getting one over on them. They definitely sure. don't want that. They don't want to feel like they're not getting the value, but it's like, it's a very common thing to see online where people will just say, shut up and take my money. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a, like a, an, yeah. a meme, an idea that, that people, an attitude that people have. So in e-commerce you can get away with, and I don't necessarily think this is the best thing, but you can get away with, the headline, the product photo, the CTA button, which is the typical e-commerce email. Sure. However, I will say you will get better results if you just put a little effort into the copy. And, and it doesn't have to be, I definitely don't think you should go full direct response sales letter for e-commerce, mm. you know, but I call it just having a conversation starter. And it could be in terms of how much copy we're talking like, one to four sentences. It doesn't need to be a lot of copy. But what I mean by a conversation starter is that you could be something like just educating people on a specific benefit of the product 
or leading with a joke about a cultural event that's that your customers would care about or maybe telling a story about a customer or someone on your team just simple stuff like that where if i'm the recipient and i'm not in the market to buy today i at least feel like opening the email wasn't a total waste of my time yeah how much how much space in the email should we dedicate to that kind of kind of copy because you you can end up sort of like telling a whole story about a product and by the end of it everybody's so bored they're just they've gone yeah it depends on the type of email so i would say so for example let's say you have a welcome series uh, that's where someone is totally new to your your brand they've signed up they've opted in to maybe get like a free coup you know a coupon or some kind of free gift or whatever in that in that initial welcome series you want to you want to let them know what your brand is all about. You want to let them know what your unique uh, value propositions are, all of that. So those we do tend to use more copy, but we do it, we present it in a visual way. So it's, it's easy. It's, you, you definitely want to be, can stick to the good copywriting rules of having shorter sentences, being yeah. concise, having shorter paragraphs, all of that. Um, but then when it comes to the more transactional stuff, like an abandoned cart email or browse abandonment, too much copy is going to be a distraction. They've already shown that they're interested and they're, they've already started buying this thing. Just simply giving them the reminder, showing them that thing again, making, you know, like literally one to two lines of copy that just kind of makes it fun that you're, that you showed up again showing, you know, showing yeah, them this yeah. product. Yeah. And then maybe throw in, you know, maybe throw in um, a review, maybe throw in uh, like a 30-day guarantee, whatever your guarantee is, you know, something that kind of gives them a sense that, okay, I, I can trust this company. I can, I can feel good about doing business with this company. But you definitely don't want to have a, long, a lot of copy in that type of email because, again, it's just a distraction. Yeah, let me give you a quick example. Um, the company that I, I buy quite a bit of stuff from, knitwear. Everybody needs good knitwear, especially coming up to the winter. Um, and and it's a it's a knitwear company. They sell jumpers and scarves and hats and gloves and socks and things like that. And it's all fair trade wool. It's all uh, quite expensive. It um, they pay the folks who make it, you know, a living wage. It, that's the message. That's why I buy the stuff. Um, but every email they send me is always telling me that stuff. But I already know it because I buy loads of stuff from them. So would you hang off that type of messaging and really just say, we've got some great new jumpers in stock? Okay, that's, that's a great example. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with segmentation and how important the segmentation is. And I think mm. that people, are, people look at segmentation and they're not looking at it from the perspective of content. They're looking at it more of what we were talking about earlier, looking at the analytics and, you know, learning more about their segments and just having a smaller group so that to email so that they can uh, potentially email more frequently by targeting those different groups. And that, that those are all very important. But to me, the, again, what's so overlooked and what's we can get so much value out of using segmentation is making subtle changes to the messaging to that segment. So for example, if someone has never purchased before, hmm. you need to have that stuff in there because or else how do they know what your brand is all about? But then someone like you who you if you are a, you're probably a VIP if you've made multiple purchases with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like as the brand, I know that you know. You already know this. So it's like you said, we can get to it, now we can have a conversation like we're close friends or we're in the same sure. club. It's like I know you know what we're all about. I know that you love our products and 
you know that I know that you love your product. So why don't we have a conversation like that where it's just fun? It's like, hey, we know you want some more of this and, and you love it. So here's check out this latest item we have. Yeah, I'm with you. So you, you basically you, you change the messaging depending on, on who the person is. They probably haven't got too many segments um, set up, I would imagine. Um, no, and that's and that's just like it's such an, a simple a simple yeah. fix, um, yeah. and it's it's a a good observation on your part as the recipient of just a small change that can make a big difference. Um, how do you feel about first purchase drip campaigns where we go into a never ending series of emails that never end? Uh, I, I we don't do as much of that as a lot mm. of people do. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, well, it, yeah, I get having some emails, um, but the ones that, like you said, drag on for too long, a lot of times as you look at the analytics further down the chain of all those emails, you just see the engagement fall off. So you kind of, you have to be thoughtful about it. So you really should, it's something where you've got to get real feedback from real customers to where you understand that, that's those are emails that people actually want and whether it's nurturing content or sales content or whatever that it's still relevant to them uh, the other thing is it's like if you're if you're putting thought and intention into the content for your ongoing email marketing those people are going to be getting those emails from you and what you're trying to accomplish which is nurturing that relationship with them and then getting repeat purchases you're going to accomplish that with your ongoing email marketing. So you don't have to have this never ending, um, you know, nurturing sequence or whatever the, the idea is behind it for those first time customers, because you're already going to accomplish that. Um, and again, if you're using the segmentation, it's just like, it's going to be more personalized to them mm -hmm. than just this never ending series of emails that are probably recycled from old emails you've done. Yeah. How much should we be automating? Are there any nifty little automations we can set up and just let them run and watch the money roll in? I think a lot, actually. Um, for mm. our clients, I'd say it's pretty standard for 20 to 60% of the revenue generated from email to come from their automated flows. Yeah. So And so you get a lot of return on investment, whether it's time, money, you know, however you're doing it by creating those automated flows. And I think the, so for the, the big areas where you want to focus your attention with automation when it comes to e-commerce email marketing is first your sales process, because hmm. you already have people who are actively entering and engaging with your sales process in some way. So again, these are the people who sign up for that welcome series because they're, they're new um, and they're looking to shop for the first time, or these are people who are viewing products, but not adding them to cart or adding them to cart, but not starting the checkout mm -hmm. or starting the checkout, but not completing, right? Every, that's, those are the, that does, that's an example of people going step-by-step step through your sales process. And we just know by looking at, at the numbers that there's a certain percentage of people that fall off at every step. So you can have automated follow-up with them to move them along in the sales process. And that's where you're going to get the most immediate ROI is there because again, mm. those people, you don't like, they, they're already actively shopping with you. So there's just less to convince them of to move forward. And that not only that, but they're showing you what they're interested in. So when they get those browse abandonment and those abandoned cart type of emails where you've got that dynamic box showing them the product that they already looked at or added to cart, I mean, that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you because 
they are already interested or they wouldn't be looking yeah. at it or adding it to their cart, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the other area where you can really get um, not as much, but you can, but you definitely should give some attention, it would be follow-up that comes later on. So either people who have stopped engaging or customers who have stopped buying or stopped engaging. Um, like I said, you want to get to a point where you give them a little bit of a, of a break, but then you can have some automated emails set up to get back in touch with them and then try to win them back. And those a lot of times actually do very well. Right. So we could, we could kind of like set up an automation which says if somebody hasn't engaged with us for, say, six months in any way, then we fire them off an email and try and get them to engage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or if they haven't purchased and try to get them to yeah. come back and purchase again. Yeah. Should we look at automations over over products? I mean, how much detail, sh how much time and effort should we put into it? For example, if we've got our candles, should we try and work out how long our customers' candles burn and then a week before they're about to burn out, send them an email to say, book another candle? Should, should we look at that? So that type of, there is an automation, like a replenishment reminder hmm. type of automated flow you can do for consumable products like that, whether it's, you know, I mean, anything people consume, food, supplements, candles, anything where they, they use the product and they can't use it anymore and they need to get more. Yeah. Replenishment reminder flows are great for that. And yeah, so that's something where you have to be thoughtful about the time, the touch point, because um, yeah. with the candle, I would just imagine that there are some <laughs> people who they're going to be burning it constantly. They go through it yeah. quickly. And there are other people who it's like, uh, you know, um, maybe like they just kind of burn it here and there on the weekends. And so it lasts longer or so. But what's cool with Clavio specifically is they have they actually have a, a, an AI-driven function that can predict when people are likely to purchase again, and you can set up that replenishment reminder flow to hit them based on that. Now, they don't really right. reveal how they know that. I think it's because Klaviyo is such a huge platform and yeah. so many e-commerce businesses are using it that they have. It's kind of like Facebook where they've just got or Amazon, where they've just got so much data on consumers out there in general. I think that uh, plays a big role because, honestly, it, it, it works really well. Yeah. Do you think we can sometimes overthink it a little bit? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely do. Um, actually, you know what? I wanted to get back what you were saying about being product-specific. Something yeah. I do want to mention is that yeah. with these flows, most of the time, especially – for a smaller business, you don't need to get that crazy detailed where you're being product specific. But as your business grows and you get bigger and you do have some of those hero products that are driving a very significant portion of your revenue, then that's where you can take your results much further by creating flows that are, that are totally customized for that particular product. So meaning that when they get in the band and checkout email, that the content in that email besides the dynamic box is only talking about that particular product uh, because it's if it's such a big revenue driver it is worth the extra effort yeah of course yeah it's fascinating i could chat for ages and ages about this and um, carl where can we find you where's your website social media bits okay yeah i'm uh, elevateandscale.com and on social media everywhere elevate and scale i'm i'm putting the most uh, of my time and, and attention in YouTube right now. So I'm putting some tutorials up. So that's cool. probably the best place to find me.
Yeah, definitely. I'll leave some links in the show notes so folks can tap those. Brilliant. Um, Kyle, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Kyle for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.